Hello, and welcome to the Growing Older podcast. We will be discussing issues related to aging and hopefully uncover some ways to make growing older go well. I am Preston Tyree, and I will be joined by my wife and partner, Bonnie Colt, as co-host, and you can expect to hear us co-hosting frequently. We are all growing older, so we will be talking with people of all ages about the things they think about, worry about, and enjoy about the process of growing older. Let's get started on our next conversation. When I was considering doing a podcast, I had no experience and in fact was a raw novice. I decided that I needed some help and started searching for a smartphone and or tablet app that could help. I found the Anchor site, that's A-N-C-H-O-R. I downloaded the app to my tablet and started using it. I found Anchor includes most of the things I need, including recording my voice, music clips, and sounds. The best part of Anchor for me is that it lets me assemble the various pieces of my podcast in a graphic way and then rearrange them. I can also use Anchor to post my finished product to many different sites so people can listen to my podcast wherever they get their feed. If you're thinking about podcasting, you should at least check out Anchor at anchor.fm. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Ani and I today will be talking with Deaton Bednar, the owner and operator of Texas Bike Tours out of Austin, Texas and Fredericksburg, Texas. So now that you got a chance, sit back, put your feet up, and let's listen to Deaton and what she has to say. What we like to do with this, Deaton, is to talk about a little bit about your background, uh, who you are, where you where you grew up, the things that have created Deaton as you are at this point, you know, what year were you born, those kind of things, and then go into a discussion about what are you doing for yourself to continue growing as we get older. Let's start with where you were born, when you were born, and where did you grow up? So in the wonderful year of 1945, my father came home from the war. So I am definitely the early phase of the boomers. So I was born in December of 1946. So he probably came home early 46 now that I've I've said December. I was uh, born in North Carolina and I had the lovely ability to live in the country. I was in the sixth grade, so nature and being outside is a huge part of my life. If somebody said, if you'll stay inside the rest of your life, you could live longer, I would choose to not so that I could be outside. I also uh, had the good fortune of being the daughter of an entrepreneur, so I learned a lot from him what to do and what not to do. So it was... uh, it was an interesting life. I learned to climb trees, ride a bike, and read books, so it was lovely. Can you just stop for a second and let's focus on what you learned to do and what you not to do, and give me an example? Yes, my father um, had an experience, and he wanted me to make sure that I never counted on any man, that I should always be willing to and be able to take care of myself. 
Uh, he had a business partner who died, and you know, half the business went to the wife. And she had a very uh, hard experience where someone took advantage of her and took all her money. Mm. So that was his main lesson to me through life, and I didn't realize how much it was in my DNA, you know, until I, I got much older and, and realized the import of that. What not to do was that um, I think he and my mom were very unhappy, and they stayed together for the children. And so a lesson from that is you are every bit as important as the other people around you. You don't want to be selfish, but you also can't give the most to life and to the lives of others if you're not in a good place yourself. I like the wisdom of that very much. Thank you. Deacon, I think Ani is beginning to understand why I've always enjoyed knowing you. Uh, oh, thank you. I find that I like strong women, and uh, so that has uh, been very, very good over the years if we touch base in different times and different places. So how long have you been in Austin, and how did you get here? Um, the man that I thought I would be together forever uh, actually survived Vietnam, and so he had to spend his last year of the draft in Fort Hood. And so, much to my mother's dismay, I left Atlanta where I was getting ready to start a new job and just came to Austin thinking I would just spend one year here. And of course, what happened was I quit my job in Austin, and this was 1969. I quit my job in Austin and went to uh, his hometown. We had the engagement party, and I realized I loved Austin more than I loved him. So I came back. So I've been here ever since, and it was a good decision. So what were you doing in Austin to make a living? I started out um, as working at the Texas Education Agency. I was um, going to be a CPA. That was my goal when I was uh, in North Carolina. Got my degree in that regard, a, a business and a, a accounting degree. And so I thought I would use that opportunity to get my two years of experience auditing, which was required at that time. And so I got a job at the Texas Education Agency as a state auditor. And that reconnected me to a childhood dream, which was to marry a rich man, which is what you did at that time, because women, you know, weren't quite as powerful. I was going to marry a rich man and have a big house. All those single black women who had a hard life, I was going to teach them business skills so they could get a job as a secretary or something like that. And that was in the third grade. I'll never forget that. And so when I reconnected with education, that's been the driver of my entire life. So even with Texas Fight Tours, you know, we talk about things to learn and see and do while people are with us. It's all about having that experience. I want to backtrack to what you said about helping what we now call black people. What What is your experience that made you have this empathy and um, passion to help them? 
Rhoda May, uh, we had people come to the house and I loved Rhoda May. And she was, um, she was a mom to me. She was there for me and for all of us. And so I, um, I, I'm getting choked up just now thinking of her because even when I was in college, she called me to let me know she'd enrolled in nursing school. I, I do hope that I said the right things, you know, because in college you're just kind of like an idiot and you save stuff you wish you hadn't. So I hope I handled it well, but I was so proud of her. But at that time, you know, she let me know that she couldn't go to the theater. Uh, she was afraid because the theater she had to go to, knife fights would occur. I saw her, we would take her home. And I remember when I realized she had little children that she couldn't be with because she was with us. And I, I wanted, I wanted a better life for her. So that very personal connection. I grew up deep in Baton Rouge with the uh, Grant family that was in my life all the time. Uh, Rebecca was uh, the mother and she was a cook. And uh, Luzina was the eldest child, the eldest daughter, and she cleaned up the house and kind of kept kept us under control, my brother and I. Schofield was a husband. He cut the grass when dad wasn't cutting, or we weren't, we were too young to. And then Billy and Bobby were my best friends. They came over and we played in the sandbox together. I, I think growing up into those conditions, it, you get a totally different view of... Yes, yes. The movie The Help was... Um traumatic for me because you know we were we all lived through that you know we had a maid who came to clean and iron some of the time when my parents could afford it and I remember she used to walk from the train which was about a mile and then usually my mother would drive her to the train station afterwards so it was a very very limited limited experience except that I realized how limited it was. The other thing is that that thought has really guided me pretty much my entire life because I remember when the Texas Education Agency was part of the programs were going to the Texas Workforce Commission, and I was being asked by both agencies to go, leave some of my programs behind and go or stay, and I was working late one evening, and I got a phone call from a young woman, and she was telling me that she was ready to change her life, and she wanted to, she had read some ad uh, that would help her, and she wanted to go. And as I was listening to her, I realized that the Workforce Commission was going to be creating the centers where she could go to one place and get all the things she needed and that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to the new Texas Workforce Commission. So uh, I know that part of my life, uh, I don't have, I've never had a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. I've always laughed and said I followed the shiny object. But really, the path that I've been on has always been uh, how education, I think, can improve people's lives and create a different life and how a lot of people don't have what they need because they don't know it's there.
And so it's, uh, it's education is very important. You said you were working towards a CPA. Did you ever do that? Gosh, no. Odyssey taught me that that was something I did not want to do. <laughs> it was incredibly boring. Um, but what I did learn was I was pretty good at managing people and programs. And so I was had the good fortune. The agency at that time, you know, cared a lot about having academic degrees, but they cared more about abilities. And so with each promotion, I was able to write a paper explaining why I didn't need whatever degree was required for that current position. So it was a, a good place for me to literally grow up. I think I got there when I was like 21 years old. I'm horrified probably at my behavior at that time. I think a school superintendent called and reported me as I didn't meet their dress code. But it was uh, it was good times. What was that about that you didn't meet their dress code? My skirt was too short. Okay. What was your spiritual upbringing? We were Methodist. We went to church every Sunday, and I went to the Methodist Youth Fellowship programs every every Sunday evening. And how did that influence you, if it did, positively or maybe not positively? Uh, as a young person, it was very positive. My family life was a tad chaotic, and so I found a lot of peace there uh, at church, Sunday school, and also at the Methodist Youth Fellowship. I got to see other adults, you know, acting differently. And then I'm not, I say I'm not a religious person. I'm spiritual now as a grown-up because I, over time, saw a lot of hypocrisy. And, you know, we all start questioning in those early 20s. But I, I, uh, I've i had experiences over time that lead me to believe that there's definitely a greater power. I just don't know what it is. And is that greater power involved in any way in your life now as you're in your 70s? And, you know, in our 70s, you start saying, you know, I'm getting up there. No, I actually don't think about that. What I think about is I've had a, a guiding force, I think, my entire life. I didn't always heed that call, and sometimes uh, things went terribly wrong as a result. And now I'm, I'm more open, and I'm calmer, and I'm more content, and I think more accepting of what path might open up and not question it so much but just be, be more open and ready. Deacon, you are running your own business. Could you give us some background on how that got started? Uh, and someday down the road, I'd love to have a discussion in a separate podcast about your business. But, uh, you know, how did you start your business? Why did you start your business? From everything I can see on your website, and we'll put links to your business in the show notes, people like what you're doing. Well, we love it as well, and so um, I'm glad to, that you, you see that. I was told by the doctor I had to stop running, and running was how I managed stress levels because I, frankly, was working pretty hard. And so he said I could swim or bike. Well, swimming was pretty hilarious. I don't think uh, anybody intended for me to get my face underwater, so that was a difficult and unattractive activity. 
So somebody told me about spin class. I had been uh, rowing, and I couldn't get my heart right up like you could with running. And I loved spin. Oh, my gosh. I was just, uh, The teacher was good. Uh, it got my heart right up. I didn't know what I was doing, and so it was a challenge. And I realized that I was reconnecting with what, frankly, brought so much joy in my life as a, a child. Mark Cavendish one time said he loved cycling more than the other Olympic sport he was doing because it brought back the joy of riding a bike as a child. And I, I just, it is so true. It makes me happy to ride a bike. And so I started doing that. And meanwhile, I had uh, stopped. My friends had said, stop saying I was retired because I really just take work breaks and I start something else. And so I was riding the bike a lot and focusing on, you know, mileage and fast and all of those things. But I started realizing that people were afraid to ride a bike. People didn't want to ride with me. And I just wanted them to see how fun it was and be aware of uh, all the things that you can be with in nature on a bike and just, just all of that. So I started um, trying to help people understand that you don't need to be afraid, you need to be aware. And then I took Preston's class on, I call it urban assault, <laughs> but it was really learning <laughs> learning how to ride in the city. And I got a friend to go with me by telling her there would be a test. She thinks she's very smart, which she is, and she loves tests. So, of course, she went. And so we learned all kinds of things. It helped me so much to see and experience that instruction. I still use one of the maneuvers that I learned in that craft class by watching another guest do it that always impressed Texas Bike Tours guests, and that's how to park your bike without using the, the uh, kickstand, which is simple but fun. And then, of course, as Preston knows, something I learned in that class actually, I think, saved my life in Portland, Oregon, when I was on a Airbnb rental bike. I just started working with, with folks, uh, my friends, and getting them to go ride. And then I was on a work break and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, which involved about four months of socializing and drinking and talking to everybody and going to a clean energy happy hour, which clearly was not what I enjoy doing. A magic woman named Maggie Miller that someone had told me to go talk with, she and I met, and in a couple of hours, we really connected, and her pause comment at the end was, you light up when you talk about cycling and Austin. And so I also had a CEO that I still own part of the company with, and he challenged me to and, and the only way he knew I would respond, he said, I bet you can't put together a bike tour for a romantic cycling adventure in uh, February. And that was a month away. And so, of course, I just killed myself to then do it. And it got uh, sleeted out, and I had to postpone it, and then, you know, all kinds of stuff happened. But it was fun. And the guests had fun, and I had told them, just give me whatever money you think, you know, it would be worth because I'm trying to figure this out. And I was pretty shocked at how much money some people gave me. I started then thinking seriously about how I could 
get more people to ride a bike. And I decided to do it through a little company. I was going to call it Bednar's Bikes, but my son, of course, wisely said, no, mom, call it Texas Bike Tours. Texas Bike Tours was born and was officially started July of that year. And it's just been a love ever since. And the only thing I want to add is as you age, being open to what comes your way and trying to adapt. I've learned so much from the bike company because I've had to change how I think about life. I let it grow organically. So I started out mainly doing city tours, and now that's a very minor part of what we do. David, when I first met you, you were still concentrating on those city uh, city tours. Yes. I thought to myself, you know, how does that work? How does she make that work? I set goals every year because I like a challenge. And the first year I decided that I would not worry about making money, that I would only worry about perfecting the operations. And I thought, how can I get in the most people to learn this with? And um, I did Groupon and I did Living Social. And that brought the folks in. And I learned a ton that year, getting feedback from them and not worried about the money. And then the second year, I decided that I was going to figure out how to have each tour be profitable. Not worry about the company yet, but each tour. And so I learned in that way. And I really did not feel competent to do anything but city tours. And then so I would set challenges of I'm going to be in uh, Jack and Adams uh, that used to be here in Austin. Jack asked me to start working out of Fredericksburg out of his bike shop there. And so then I would set goals of, you know, how many tours a day can I do in those two cities? And I, when I realized that I needed help because I couldn't do them all, people started coming to me and saying, we want to lead bike tours. And I think what makes us different is we don't have people who are looking for work. These are folks who love riding a bike and want to share it. And so at that time, I had about eight people in Austin and two or three in Fredericksburg, and they had full-time jobs, but they would take off from work to ride bikes with people. And even now, road cycling, gravel, mountain biking, I've got different people who love to ride a bike and ride with people. And so I never have advertised. It's all had to be word of mouth. People, you know, want to know how they can help. I just say write write a review for people to see. And so it's just uh, been word of mouth. And like I said, as Austin started growing and becoming more of a, a destination, more bike tours for the city came up. And so I started, you know, responding to folks who were asking for things they couldn't get anywhere else. And so that's kind of been the way we've evolved is if they can't find somebody else to do it, the bike shops always say call Deaton. So that's how that's worked. How do you see your own process in this and the people who are on your tours? How do you, how is growing a part of that? How growing for me or growing the business? Growing for you and growing for the people who take your bike tours. I want them to believe 
and feel that they are seeing Austin or they're seeing the countryside or they're doing whatever with a friend. And I got that from a guy who uh, uh, created a city tour for him and his girlfriend. And when I, at that time, what I would ask people is, and I kind of do that now still, is what will have happened on this ex in this experience for you to think it was everything you hoped it would be? And he emailed back and said, I want my friend in Austin to show me the Austin she loves. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, we don't want to wear uniforms. We don't want to look like we're on a bike tour. We're people out riding bikes together. And part of the experience for me and for the guest starts when they first reach out. And we ask all kinds of questions to find out who they are, what do they want, what's their past experience been, so that we challenge them just a little bit, but we don't terrify them, you know, with what's happening, protect, protect, particularly in hill country. Mm -hmm. So for city rides, I just want to find out how comfortable are they on city streets? You know, what, what makes them nervous? What do they, what do they enjoy? For road, mountain, and gravel, we've got a, we asked for facts because we found that a lot of people don't really know how well they're doing or what they're doing. And so for that, we, we asked for facts and hookups to Strava and things like that. But the, the, the thing that, what I love so much is literally we have repeat customers. And so, you know, they come back and, I feel like, you know, it's an old friend come back. And that's, um, I think the most moving one was uh, for a year I planned with this woman, her 50th birthday party. Uh, it was uh, four couples in Fredericksburg. We had an incredible day at a vineyard and a bike ride and an Italian chef and just all, just all sorts of things. And two days later, her husband was killed. And it, it uh, you can read her review on the Fredericksburg or Austin TripAdvisor. I I remember she and I connected so much over that year, and she called me from the hospital in San Antonio where she had to be trying to tell me that the reason she had not yet written a review was because, and then she told me, I was just, I can't tell you. And what she said was, what I know is the last few days in Fredericksburg and that that day with, with you is the best memory I have of him and will cherish the rest of my life. So what I know and what I tell anybody that works on Texas Bike Tours, you have a good time, they have a good time, nobody gets hurt. And that's all we us all we want because we're creating memories for people. We're making them less afraid. And when they say they're gonna go buy a bike, I'm just that's just it for me. But I'm telling you, she and I stay in touch and I just Texas Bike Tours brings me gifts. They bring it brings me gifts and it's taught me a lot and helped me grow. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> I think we're probably getting close to the end here, Dee Dee. 
you know, you've sidestepped Ani's question a little bit with that story. I think it is, the power of the story is very strong. But Ani was asking, what what growth in yourself have you seen in this love of your life? So the growth is... It's happened incrementally. Each Thanksgiving, I take time to think about what I'm grateful for and what I'm thankful for, and I try to pick a couple of people or businesses or whatever and let them know how much I appreciate them. And then I start thinking about what do I want to work on the next year. So a a fun example to me that I just didn't do very well at all was not making an assumption and then acting on it. I still have to work on that one. But what I started seeing with Texas Bike Tours is I couldn't plan like I wanted. You know, I liked, uh, in the corporate world, I had a checklist. I got this done. I got that done. You know, you could analyze it, score it, you know, move on. You either got a raise or you didn't. But with Bike Tours and this company, I had to be okay with whatever came. So that was the first thing I learned in my life and with them was I can make a lot of plans, but I need to be willing as it's unfolding to make changes on the fly. And that's the advantage of custom and that's the advantage of life. You know, you you think about a lot of things that in our younger life we might have been hurt by or felt bad about. But a lot of times, other people are not even thinking about you and the decisions they're making. They're living their life, and it's not all about us. So I got pretty good at that, and then that next year, I thought, okay, I now realize that things are not going to happen the way I think they're going to, and maybe even want them to, and I need to start knowing that it doesn't matter because what may this may open up is something even better. And so I, I now, when something doesn't go right, I think, oh, wow, I can't wait to see what good is going to come out of that. And it's just, it's just, uh, I, I feel, I feel like I have a life of abundance and I have so many good people who have come into my life. And uh, I'm not an extrovert. A lot of people think I am. So I have to come back and hibernate to kind of recharge. But it just it just brings so much joy in my life. That's what I've gotten out of that. I would not be who I am today if it was not for Texas Bike Tours and meeting people like Preston and Starla. It's just a, it's just a wonderful thing. Well, that is... Uh... That is so great. And you said something I think we're going to probably highlight it here. It says, when things don't go right, what good is going to come out of that? If we can all live with that, I think it's uh, a really great place to, to wrap this up and say thank you, Deaton Bednar and Texas Bike Tours and Annie Colt. That wraps up another Growing Older podcast. Hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned some things to help you age well. This is Preston Tyree signing off.